God's Word to Psalm 103. If you, uh, if you didn't bring your own copy, and I encourage you to, week in and week out, if you didn't bring a copy, you'll find one provided for you in the pew. Lord willing, we'll return next week to our um, series on 1 Peter. But this morning, um, we get to look at... I feel like I say I have a lot of favorite verses and passages. Uh, you've heard that before, but, well, this is one of them. Psalm 103. Before we begin, let's ask the Lord to bless the reading and preaching of His Word. Father, we thank You that Your Word is beautiful, and that it is perfect, and it gives us life as Your Spirit uses it in our hearts. Send forth Your Spirit this morning to remind us of Your love, that we might worship You all the more. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, in all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made His ways known to Moses and His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does He repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man... Man, his, his days are like dust. He flourishes like the flower of a field. For the wind passes over and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. This morning I want to talk about the connection between God's love for us and the benefits that He provides for us in our response of worship that flows primarily of seeing how much God loves us. Indeed, we will not worship the Lord properly until we have begun to plumb the depths of His love for us. David begins this psalm with a threefold commandment to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord, to worship the Lord, to glorify the Lord, to, to go beyond ourselves and take the focus off of ourselves and, to, and to, to glorify God for all of who He is and what He has done for us from every fiber of our being, from our very souls. 
But it's interesting because the whole of this psalm really revolves around verse number 8. As we think about what the basis is of all that God has done for us, it is verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Indeed, in in the Old Testament church in Israel, this became uh, almost like a creed. Like we have the Apostles' Creed. They would, they would speak of, of this way of God, uh, that the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The center of all that God does for His people, that all He has done for us, the very star reason that we should worship Him and praise Him now and in the life to come is because of His love. This was made evident at Palmer Home. Um, the ruling elder who led the Auburn church, David Rouse, David Rouse he, he did our devotions and he did them on the love of God throughout the week. And we got to see the love of God uh, worked out in our midst. There's a great importance of being loved and knowing that we are loved. It's a terrible thing to be an orphan whether in fact or by neglect or abuse. You know, when there isn't a sense of being loved or belonging or having a home of being known, then the lives of children and adults alike come quickly unraveled. And we in this world, we search for love. We are looking for love in all the wrong places, as one has said. But for the believer... We are loved by God. Indeed, we see in 1 John 4, 16, So we have come to know and to believe the love that the Father has for us. So much of salvation is realizing that we are loved by God even when we don't deserve it. We know we don't deserve it, but understanding that God loves us and has done something about it. Palmer Home has taken children who are not loved, period, full stop. That's why they are there. Has taken them, those who are not loved, and has loved them greatly. They have taken the fatherless and given them homes. Homes, not houses. Homes. Homes where the love of Christ reigns rich and free. With house mothers and fathers who reflect the love of Christ They have taken the weak and those at risk and given them a place where they belong. And they do these things not because they're amazing, fantastic people. We met these folks. They're stressed out. They're tired. They're worn out. But they know the love of God. And they reflect it to these children. Verse 18 tells us, excuse me, verse 8, not 18. Verse 8 tells us that that God's love is described as the steadfast love. Steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases, right? It never comes to an end. His mercies are new every morning. The steadfast love of the Lord is translating a word that is very difficult to get to the root of. And it's, it's God's uh, love that stands behind His love. It is the love that stands behind His covenantal promises to the covenant people of God, to the church. It, it is the love with which He loved us. The, the lavish love. The love that is not based on our performance, but based upon the performance of Christ and His love for, for wretches like you and me. It is the foundation of God's commitment to us. It is an everlasting love, and it never stops, and it never gives up. 
And it is directed to His people, people like you and me, who have nothing to offer to God. As we think about the Palmer Home illustration, these children are in pure need. They, they have nothing to uh, you know, bring to the table in terms of finances or wealth. They are in complete need of a place to belong. Now, they have much to offer the world. I, I don't mean that. They're amazing children. And the staff at Palmer Home don't look at those, oh, I like that person, I like that person. That person can do something for me. That's not the basis of their love. There's a need and they fill it. It's a Christ-like love. This is a Christ-like love because this is the love that God has for us. As a father shows compassion to his children, we learn later in our text, so the, so the, the, as, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to his children. It's not because we deserve his love. It's because of his love that he loves us. So we think about this commandment to step back and to, and to bless the Lord. We will never bless the Lord. We will never truly worship Him until we realize how much He loves us. Now here's the thing. I think we will spend all of eternity plumbing the depths of God's love. And we will never fully come to the comprehension, to the understanding of the depths of God's love that is beyond human comprehension. The fact that He would love me and that He would love you. Can you imagine not growing up and hearing those words, I love you? Certainly these children at Palmer Home have not. But now they are told they are loved. My friends, you are too. Do you doubt God's love? Academically we would say no, right? I know that I'm loved. God, I've been to church. I know that. But how often do we truly doubt God's love. That we've lost it because of sin. Or something bad has happened to us. Oh, therefore God must not love me. Those are real struggles, right? That's how we work. That's not how God works. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. There's nothing that can change the love of God to His children. Period. We know from 1 John 4 that God loves us. We don't love Him first. He loves us. And it's a love that is not theoretical. It is not one that is a bill of goods. It is not an empty promise. It is not heavy on words and light on action. No, His love has been made manifest amongst us, primarily in the sending of His Son. We saw a picture um, earlier. I said John, and I refer to him later. as John with, uh, we'll call her Susie, on his, on his shoulders. And John showed the love of Christ more than I've maybe ever seen in my life. He's 14 or 15, and he just has one of those bleeding hearts, you know, that he sees somebody and immediately loves them. And, uh, and y'all, he cried pretty much the whole last day we left. We were only there for three and a half days, four days. But he cried and he cried and he cried. And y'all, those people saw his tears. And they knew that they were loved. How do we know that we are loved? We think of the tears of Christ in the garden. And we think of the the drops of blood that came from His tear ducts. We think of the blood that that poured out His side. The tears of pain when He was tortured to death on the cross for our sins. The wrath of God was poured out on Him. This is where we see the love of God made manifest for us. For people like you and me, His steadfast, never changing, always and forever love. 
You know, love changes people. Love changes people. Perhaps you remember when you were dating and suddenly you found the one and, and it changed you and all your friends could see the change because suddenly they didn't see you anymore. You were always with your um, girlfriend or boyfriend, soon to be fiancé and husband or wife. Love changes people. John's love changed people at Palmer Home. The Christ love changes us. When we come to know and believe the love that God has for us, that He would send His only Son. And, and as we think about the benefits which He gives us, Bless Lord, O oh my soul, and all those in, is, that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. This doesn't mean, hey, just don't forget. It means call to remembrance, focus on, meditate on. And there are a great many benefits that are given in this text, but the star benefit that flows from His love is the forgiveness that we receive of our sins. And so much of Psalm 103 is on forgiveness. We see this in verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities. Is it iniquities? Forgives all your iniquity. We see this driven out later in in the text. Um, We see in verse 8 that He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. What amazing news for those like me who have nothing to expect from God except anger and wrath, for this is what I deserve. And yet God has loved me. And God has loved you. He is merciful. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us instead His grace. How does He do this? Verse 10, He does not deal with us according to our sins. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Have you ever dealt with anybody in your life in a way other than is based upon their sins? How hard this is. This is how we deal with each other, even when we try not to. Well, that person's sinner, that person, this is what they've done against me, and therefore I'm going to deal with them according to our sins. We see this in our breakdown of relationships when we no longer deal with each other based on the love of Christ that is rich and free, poured out for us, but base it and deal with each other based upon how we've sinned against each other. And we have sinned, and we have sinned, and we have sinned, and we have sinned against our God, and yet He does not deal with us according to our sins. Verse 10b, even better, He does not repay us according to our iniquities. As we saw last week in 1 Peter 3, we revile when others revile us. We repay evil when other folks are evil towards us. And yet all of these things, how we've been sinned against, pale in comparison to what we have done to the Lord. And yet He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does He repay us according to our iniquities. Why? Because He has repaid His Son for our iniquities. Someone has paid. Someone has paid. We could never pay. We can never hit a drop in the bucket. The currency doesn't work. We couldn't pay for one sin. And yet, Christ on the cross has paid for them all. Verse 11. Why in the world would He repay His Son for our sin? Because of His great steadfast love that He has for us. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. So the earth is, what, about 6,000 years old or so. Our astronomers tell us that the radius of the universe is about 14.5 billion light years. Um, we can't even see. That's how far we think. We can't actually see stars that far. We detect radiation. And as far as here to there, that's how great the Lord's love is for us. My love for anybody is about that small to scale. 
And yet God's love for His people is from here to the heavens and back. The place where He has been enthroned on high, later in the text tells us. This is how much He loves us. And because of that, for those who are in Christ Jesus, He has taken our sins, verse 11-ish, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so so far as He removed our transgressions from us. Does Satan ever throw your past sins before your eyes? That's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't do that. Romans 8.1 tells us that, that Christ has paid all the condemnation for us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He has sent our sins as far as the east is from the west from before us. And He's done it because He has repaid our Savior for our sins. Why? Because He loves you. There's so much more in this text that we could get into if we had time. He heals us of our diseases. Certainly there's tension here because we do die. But God does heal. And He heals miraculously. You've told me stories of friends and neighbors and family members who had cancer and went in for surgery and it was gone. Or a, a dear brother in the Lord of mine who should be dead from a heart attack and yet is alive. The Lord used a doctor to do it. But do you know who healed it? It wasn't the doctor. It was the Lord Jesus. He has the power to. And you know, even though we will die, we have the hope, the certainty, the possession of eternal life, which begins now, and we will be healed. We receive our new bodies of the resurrection, the general resurrection of the just and the unjust on the last day. We receive our new bodies. They're perfected and glorified bodies. They will no longer hurt. Won't that be a good day? My hurts are very small compared to what many of you experience day in and day out. One day they will no longer hurt. He redeems and crowns. He, re- he redeemed us from the pit, our lives in the pit. Psalm 16 says this is the, the corruption that the Messiah would not see. He redeems us ultimately from the pit of hell and crowns us with His steadfast love and mercy, not just allowing us to be slaves in His house or, or, or begging for scraps to the table. All would be mercy and grace but crowns us with steadfast love and making us children of the living God. And He satisfies us with good. We look for satisfaction so much in this world. None of it will will fulfill us. None of it will satisfy us. Not our jobs, not our homes, not your spouses, not your children. As As good as they are, they will never satisfy you. Only the Lord Jesus will. And my friends, He will satisfy you. And He'll give you youth like the eagles. We began our time talking about the connection between worship, God's, or God's love for us, the benefits He gives us in our response of worship. A life that is lived on cruise control that does not meditate upon the amazing blessings of God will never be one that is full of worship and praise. It won't happen. We can't back into it. It won't just happen. It is only as we remember all that God has done for us and His amazing love for us that we will truly be able to worship Him. Do you remember His love for you this day? There are a great many benefits in this text, but the greatest benefit is God Himself. He may not heal us this side of heaven. We may struggle with certain sins until the day we die. We may have real hardships in this life. We may never be rich. We may always be poor. We may have bad health. We may have drama in our families. The real blessing that we have is that we have God Himself. 
because he has given us himself in Christ Jesus. This, in this, the love of God is manifest, that He would send His only Son so that we might live through Him. In this, the love of God is manifest, that He might send His only Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The greatest blessing, the greatest benefit is God Himself. And when we die and go to be with Jesus, or He returns home, when that great trump resounds, the voice of the archangel, it yells and screams that the day is here and Jesus is back then our dwelling place will be with God and He will dwell with His people. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your lavish love. Um, your undeserving love of us. We, do, we don't deserve it, Lord. We thank You for Your grace and mercy. Lord, remind us again of how much You love us. We doubt it every day. Help us to plumb the depths, the width and the height and the depth and the breadth of your love for us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.